just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. So many things covered in today's podcast. One is I look at the weird sort of writing lessons I get from Jeffrey Epstein's first boss, Donald Barr, who is Attorney General William Barr's father, Donald Barr was also ex-CIA, was also the headmaster of the most prestigious high school in New York City, and was Jeffrey Epstein's first boss. But also, there's a little interesting thing about his writing career, and I take a look at it. Then I talk about how to validate whether an idea is good or bad, and I talk about some ideas that I think are pretty good. I also talk about how to make and sell drones, which I think might be an interesting idea, and I explain why that might be an interesting idea. I talk about do-it-yourself perfume kits. I talk about the good news that's happening right now, both in coronavirus and in all the protests and reforms and so on. And I talk about a topic very important to me, which is the skills you or your children or whoever absolutely need to know for what I'm calling the great reset that we are now in. If you have questions, ideas, feedback, just want to say hi, or you have topics you want me to talk about, please text me at my phone, 203-590-8607. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Instagram Live, we're connected. So it's been a couple of days. We took a couple of days off because you know what? When I first started doing these in March, every day there was important news. And the news I felt needed to be not quite interpreted, but explained. Not that I was an expert, but I was talking to lots of experts. And I felt that the news was hard to understand in context. Like the context, context was, thank you very much, honey. The context was, different media outlets had different agendas. 
Politicians had agendas, scientists had agendas, everybody had their own agenda about coronavirus. So the New York Times or some place was saying there's gonna be 140 million deaths around the world. And uh, Imperial College was saying there's gonna be 10 million deaths in the US. And here we are four or five months later, there's 133,000 deaths, which is horrible. You always have to say, I feel like constantly you have to say, which is horrible. Every death is horrible. And I was speaking to someone yesterday who had coronavirus and he said, you do not want to get this virus. It was the worst experience I ever had. Fine. But there wasn't 10 million deaths. Does that mean I am undervaluing the importance of this illness? Of course not. I'm valuing it correctly. Is that it's extremely important that people take precautions and do whatever they can to not get it. But 133,000 deaths out of 320 million people in the U.S. is not uh, is not going to make me change every aspect of my life. Unfortunately, the law has stayed like we were in New York City, which was the epicenter of the virus. We figured let's get out of New York City and move to near Miami. Now Mm -hmm. Miami is the epicenter (laughs) of the virus. I was going to do a stand up comedy show tonight at the Hard Rock Cafe canceled because of the virus and at Stand Up New York. There's an outdoor comedy show tonight in New York City. But that's why I'm just going to get straight to the BS headline of the day and then I'm going to answer some questions uh, and talk about some business ideas and so on. The BS headline of the day, of course, comes from my favorite news site, CNN.com. And the top headline is one expert says this is now the U.S epicenter. And I'll explain why that is the BS headline of the day. So again, the headline is one expert says this is now the U.S. epicenter. It used to be headlines would just say, yeah, Miami (laughs) is, you know, Miami is the epicenter according to Dr. So-and-so. Now it's like this clickbait, like, oh, I better click to see if what city is the epicenter and what expert says it. Like, it's just clickbait. It's so obvious that there's only one agenda uh, of, of all these media outlets. And I'm talking about Fox News. I'm talking about CNN. I'm talking about the New York Times. I don't know. Throw me a news outlet and it's the same thing. But it's, it's why couldn't they just tell me in the headline? Why do I have to click? But anyway, Miami is the new epicenter, according to CNN. That's the headline of the CNN. By the way, the entire front page of CNN, not a single thing how there were 11 killings, shootings yesterday in New York City that killed people. It was a 17-year-old, two 20-year-olds died. Like, I don't understand why shootings are being underreported. And of course, the mayor of New York City said, everybody needs to social distance unless you're going to a protest because that message needs to be heard. By the way, that message is being heard. I mean, it comes up all the time now in politics uh, between the, you know, Joe Joe Biden talks about it. Trump talks about it. All the potential VP candidates talk about Black Lives Matter. Joe Biden is going to select a vice presidential candidate who may end up being president of the United States on the basis of their stance on, you know, reforms in Black Lives Matter. So it's not like people have forgotten this, but there's good news. There is a lot of good news. For one thing, deaths daily new deaths in the United States continue to trend down. Even as cases are going up, daily new deaths continue to trend down. That is extremely good news. We're not in a second wave. The first wave has clearly peaked in in mid-April. It is not, the U.S. has gone trending down since mid-April. Every day, daily new deaths seems to be going down. New York City had zero new deaths. They don't say that though in the... No, they don't say that in the newspaper at all. If you look at the percentage tested over the percentage of daily new deaths, that's constantly um, getting that that ratio is getting uh, higher and higher. More tests, less new deaths. Mm -hmm. And so that's good news. Will there be a second wave? We don't know. I do think all the hope don't. A lot of people are saying, well, we need to we need to wait for a vaccine before we can fully reopen the economy. That is bullshit. Good luck having a vaccine. I don't believe anybody who says uh, we have a, a, we're gonna have a vaccine by such and such a date. If we get a vaccine, power to you. But they don't have a vaccine. The, the COVID-19 is a 
genetically similar to another coronavirus that we all are fond of called the common cold, which we all know about. And they've been working for 50 years on a vaccine for the common cold. They have not come up with one. Why have they not come up with one? Because there's not really any immunity. Like if you get the common cold, you, maybe you're immune for a month, best case, two months. Maybe with COVID-19, you're immune for three months. Nobody really knows. There's a lot of uncertainty. So the fact that they're betting everything on a vaccine, when we don't even know what immunity means, we don't know what herd immunity means. Like everyone talks about, oh, herd immunity. There's, there, we don't know even about immunity, let alone herd immunity. Like everyone's saying, oh, the protests didn't have caused more of a virus spike because in New York City or Minneapolis or wherever, there was already herd immunity. We don't know. We have no clue. There are so many things about this virus we don't know. And that's the good news. Because the good news is, is that the virus is just having its own path and its daily new deaths are declining, which might mean the virus is no longer as infectious. It might mean the virus has mutated so it doesn't kill as many people. Don't forget, survival of the fittest happens in every part of biology in the universe. And so the, the, the genes that survive are the ones that, that, I don't even know, do viruses have sex or whatever? I don't know how new viruses are born, but the genes that survive are the ones that have the most children they of mutate. some sort. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and so in each generation, there's small to little mutations. And the viruses that survive are the ones that live the longest. Well, how does a virus live longer? It lives longer if it doesn't kill you. Once it kills you, the virus itself dies. It's hard to get the virus from someone who's buried in the ground. So the viruses, viruses tend to mutate until they're not as lethal as they once were. That applies for everything from Spanish flu to SARS to MERS to Plus, whatever. Ebola, you can get it from person Right, but Ebola is not very infectious. So right. Ebola, you know, a virus survives longer by mutating to be more infectious and to live longer. But Ebola never got to that. Ebola is always kind of quickly identified. Yeah. It has a 50% fatality rate. So that right away prevents it from infecting too many people mm -hmm. and they isolate and it's recognizable instantly and they isolate mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. If Ebola spread, that would be horrible, yeah. but it doesn't. So the good news is daily new deaths continue to go lower. Ignore the headlines. I bet you if the days you spend not reading the news are much happier. I've been reading the news much less. Have you been reading the news less, much less? Less, I'm much happier. Much happier. And and then let's look at Black Lives Matter. So Black Lives Matter, very important issue. Reforms are being proposed. I, there, are, there are less protests right now. If you search for Black Lives Matter and protests, there's, there's not that many headlines. This city's having a protest. They're all peaceful protests. If you search for Black Lives Matter and riots, there's almost no news, which is a good thing. And I do think in every city, they are considering reforms. Like, should we... Uh, you know, move from lethal weapons to non-lethal weapons? Mm -hmm. Should police not, uh, uh, you know, have different operating procedures for how they approach uh, and, and profile potential arrests, which they clearly profile on whatever terms they're used to doing. So, and they're, they're defunding the police. Everyone throws that phrase around. Nobody is getting rid of the police. Defunding just means maybe we have more experts for domestic violence. You know, you don't have the same people who investigate murders deal with the homeless. Don't have the same people who deal with burglary suspects or drug dealers deal with domestic violence. So defunding involves maybe more specialization, which involves less weapons, less... Um, more education. Yeah, more education. So who knows? Uh, there's other reforms that I would be in favor of like uh, get rid of all blue collar licensing, but we, we've talked about this before. I'm actually having discussions with people who are seriously involved in these issues throughout the government about these, these types of reforms. Not that I'm qualified, but I like to give an opinion whenever possible. And uh, so I think the news, the news is good, but I think we have to be, like back in March, 
If the economy had reopened in April, we would have gone back to a new normal. Now we're, that's not happening. There is no new normal. For a while I was calling it the new abnormal. There's not even gonna be a new abnormal. First off, what was so great about your normal beforehand? Like, oh, you were working for a job and at the first possible chance, one out of three workers were laid off from their jobs. That doesn't feel like a good normal to me. Yeah. I think we're moving to what I'm calling the great reset. And, and that means the economy is getting reset, your job skills are gonna to have to get reset, education's gonna get reset, travel's gonna get reset, the nature of work is gonna get reset. Uh, uh, cities, the way we live in first tier cities to get opportunities like New York City, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, that's gonna get reset. Our lifestyle. Lifestyle's gonna get reset. I am not, I am never gonna shake anyone's hand ever again. I don't want to. I'm gonna rarely look people in the eye ever again. I'll look you in the eye sometimes. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't think, I don't think the, I think the bro hug, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm sick of the bro hug. I'm sick of like kissing women on two cheeks or one cheek and figuring that I don't even know you. I have to kiss, figure out like one cheek or two cheeks based on your accent. Like, give me a break. I don't wanna do it. And so there is gonna be a normal. Also education. We're seeing, um, you know, Harvard, remote, MIT, you could choose remote, NYU, you could choose remote, Columbia, you could choose remote. Why are you spending 70,000 a year for remote? So, and Google today just announced that they're gonna give Google certificate programs, they're gonna give certificates if you pass these courses that they're setting up at Coursera for data analysis, programming, IT security, all sorts of things. So companies, and this is what Scott Galloway and I spoke about on our on my podcast uh, a few months ago. Companies are gonna um, team up with corporations. Corporations are gonna tell us because my kids used to say to me, "I always I've always been against college," and my kids used to say to me, "But Dad, we got to go to college to get a job." Well, now that's over. That period is gone, and so now kids have other reasons to go to colleges but not good reasons to go to colleges. And they're still trying to say, oh, I need college to get a job. But no, companies like Google are gonna tell us what you need, to, what skills you need to get a job with them. And then they're gonna set up the education for those skills. So two types of skills that you're gonna need in the Great Reset. You're gonna need hard skills and soft skills. So hard skills are everything from let's call it the top of that is computer programming and cybersecurity and AI, but that all the way ranges down to setting up a blog or creating a Shopify store. I told my daughter, set me up a Shopify store and I'll pay you a little bit of money. And once you learn how to do a Shopify store, I bet you everybody is gonna want a Shopify store because everything is moving to e-commerce. So, uh, I'll answer some questions. Do you want to answer yeah. some questions? Yeah, sure. I would love to. I have to speak up too. You gotta speak up. I have to speak up. Okay, so here's a basic question, but I figure I'll start off with a basic question. Um, uh, do I need an accountant before I own a business? Good question. So, I'm all the time, and she knows this, I think I drive you crazy, actually. Like, every day, I have yeah, a different have business two, idea. We, we, yeah, but we have two different, I think, ideas about that. What, what do you mean? About a CPA. Okay, uh, well, I wanna hear, well, uh, you tell me your idea. Well, I think you definitely need to have a, a CPA when you start a business. Just that way you're, on, you're just on course, and you, you don't have to worry about it, because that's the professional, then you can, Focus on the things that you want to focus on. Well, okay, let me ask you this. What do you need a CPA for? To run the numbers and to make sure all the filings are done and to make sure that you're in compliance and to manage all of that paperwork because I'm not good at that. So I don't disagree, which by the way, I take that back because I hate that phrase, I don't disagree. Everyone says I don't disagree as a passive way of saying, um, I sort of agree, but not quite, because it's a double negative. Mm -hmm. So when you say I don't disagree, you're really saying I agree, mm -hmm. but I don't quite agree. Mm -hmm. I just don't disagree. Yeah. 
So, and I always hate the passivity of people who say, oh, I don't disagree, but. So here's the thing, how do you know you have a business? I think you need to, you like all the time, there's a, there's a big spectrum between an idea and business. I'm not saying there's a big difference uh, between idea and business. I'm not saying there's a difference between an idea and a business, mm -hmm. but there's a spectrum. Like I might come up with an idea. Oh, I'm going to make a new kind of, right. um, I'm going to make an airline. I'm Richard mm -hmm. Branson in the 1970s. And I'm going to make Virgin Air. Mm -hmm. So does he need an accountant when he comes up with that idea? No. No, no it's, a, yeah, it's timing. So, so you have to first, when you have an idea, you have to validate the idea. And then when you validate the idea, you have to figure out a lot of time. And this is related to another question. Somebody asked me, how do you be productive enough to start a business? He's, this guy said, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm, mal I'm misinterpreting his question, but, or I'm misquoting it, but he says, I'm a little bit depressed and it's hard enough for me to just mow the lawn and cut the grass and do household work. How do you actually start a business? And, and there's a whole group of people that says, just visualize law of attraction, visualize that you're starting your business. It's going to be great. It's going to be successful, but you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's how you start a business. You have the idea. You validate the idea, which is an entire subject I could get to. And then you just start taking, you do start doing experiments. You mm -hmm. start taking small steps towards your idea. So I had an idea about a new kind of video conferencing software. And how did I have the idea? Well, I wrote down, here's a list of features I would love for Zoom to have. Right. And then I know this is a valid, I validated the idea by talking to a specific group of people and saying, if I could build this, would you use it? 100% of them said yes. So, okay, that's a little bit of validation for the idea. Then I spoke to a friend of mine who was a great programmer, and I said, what do you think of this? And he says, it's great. And I said, can you program it? And he said, no, but I know someone who can. Mm -hmm. And so now that person's programming it, and we made our deal verbally. And, and so the software is being made. We've been paying the programmer and blah, blah, blah. So for that, we needed to set up a corporation, right. but we didn't even really need to. We could have just for a while sent money. Right. Yeah. So you don't really need a, a business set up until you have a product and then maybe a customer. And that's the best validation of an idea is if you have even one customer, but things are moving along quickly. So we've started to loop in the CPA mm -hmm. and so on. We don't even need a, a business yet. We needed a domain name, but not necessarily a business. So we got the domain name and the, we've been paying the programmer. And so we're taking little steps to where I validated the idea, taking little steps and it might fail the idea. Who knows? Well, also we already had a, a corporation. So we, we put that into the corporation. Right. So, so, we, put so in, we already had a setup. Right. We had a corporation to run the podcast. Yes. And even then I normally wouldn't hire an accountant. I would have just done everything out of my personal bank account and written it off like a business. But you were smart and said, let's get an account. And let's just make it separate. Fine. Corporation. I'm fine with that. If she does the Corporate work, yeah. I'm fine with it. Right. So, so, but I think, I think more important is always think in terms of, particularly if you're feeling like, oh, I feel overwhelmed. You can't go from being, um, a lawyer to being a, a, a professor teaching biology. Like you just can't make, you can't make a sideways leap like that but you can take small steps always. And along the way, one of those small steps is, is setting up the business formally, uh, taking in money, doing taxes, making corporate filings and so on. But that's for most ideas it's much later. For instance, let's say, so, so this is a very interesting thing. So this is, this is about, this is how you should do business in what I'm calling the great reset. First off, lesson number one, or rule number one, find out what's trending. So there's various places where you can see what's trending. What's trending on Kickstarter? What's trending in terms of products being sold on Shopify? What's trending on Pinterest? Because Pinterest has now added e-commerce. What's trending on Amazon? What's trending on, you can go to AliExpress, go to AliExpress.com, whenever you want, click on flash deals, and that shows you these are the deals that are most exciting on AliExpress right now, which is where people source products for drop shipping. So now, if I did, I did that earlier today, I can see, oh, drones are trending on AliExpress or USB cables are trending on AliExpress, I don't know why. But like a, you could buy a drone for 
$24 and the same drone is for sale for $70 on Amazon. Oh and so then you figure out, okay, is this truly the same? You do some due diligence on the factory. You figure out how much it's going to cost to ship, but you, you ship a thousand at once. You hire a company like Shipmonk so that you can always send orders to them. You build a Shopify store. Um, but you know, these are, are the things you, you, you know, one of the ways you validate an idea is to see what's trending. And then maybe I can, another way to validate an idea is maybe I'll put a picture of that drone on a Facebook ad and I'll just, I'll make a bunch of different Facebook ads. Like here's a spying drone or here's a live video. They're, they're, they're all spying drones because they're from China. Yeah, they're I'm all spying on us right now anyway. You should really try to, so, to get one that's made here because anything like that, so they're using our... So look, that's a business... Uh, yeah. Okay, you just define the business idea. Call it madeinamerica.com and do the same thing as AliExpress, but with all the factories in America. Right. You're going to have three products on there because nothing is made in America. Everything is made in China. But hey, it's a start. Or even a business that can actually take your drone to make sure that those things are out, taken out of the yeah, drone. Yeah, maybe. Like, that could be like, you know, take the spy out of your drone. Take the spy out of spying. <laughs> You're left with yang. The yang and the yang. Um, but uh, validate an idea and then, um, uh, you know, buy it cheap on one of these mm -hmm. AliExpress or Alibaba or you go direct to the manufacturer. Uh, you maybe figure out how to brand it on your own. You make a deal with a company like Shipmonk, which does warehousing and drop shipping for you. And then, and then, oh, oh, what I was saying is you can validate an idea by putting a Facebook ad with a picture of the drone and some of the features. If there's a 3% click-through rate, you have a home run idea. Just put a $20 budget behind that ad, by the way. Oh, oh you, you don't have a website yet? Doesn't matter. You're only measuring if people, if 3% of the, of the thousand people who click, uh, if 3% click through, that's enough to validate that, okay, this is truly a good idea. Not only did I see it trending on AliExpress, and not only did I see it trending on Google searches, but I also put up an ad. There was, you know, less than a 1% click through rate means it's a bad idea. More than a 3%, more than a 2% click through rate means it's a good idea and you determine, oh, 3%, good idea. Now you buy it cheap at AliExpress. Let's say you've worked out the math so that this makes money. You make a deal with Shipbunk, and then you start advertising it. How do you advertise it? You can advertise it on podcasts, on Instagram. Here's how I would do it. I would probably right now, this is, right now there is an enormous opportunity with advertising. I would call up TikTok influencers and offer them dirt cheap prices to do a TikTok video with the drone, for instance, because TikTok influencers are scared to death right now that TikTok is about to be banned. So their advertising prices are going, they're probably, my guess is they're about 50 to 80% down to get someone with 10, 20 million followers in the US to, to play with your drone in a TikTok video. And then to, for them to say, hey, you can buy the drone at this website. Here's another one, right now, um, do-it-yourself perfumes are, a, a, it's a Google search that has been trending higher over the past few months, I guess because people want to still smell nice in lockdown, but they haven't been able to go to stores to buy perfumes and really try it out. So people have been buying perfume kits. Huh. And uh, so, you know, perfumes are made out of like four or five different ingredients put together, you know, get those ingredients cheap, again, from Alibaba or AliExpress, or even in the US if you can, um, make a Shopify store. Uh, uh, you know this is trending, so you know it's, you could validate the idea further, but it's not that expensive to just sell do-it-yourself perfume kits. Mm. And you set up a Shopify store for a few hundred dollars, you could advertise, oh, this is a great one with TikTok influencers again, all these like, you know, girls who are got 20 million followers, get them to use, I made this perfume using my, you know, the choose yourself, do it yourself perfume, choose yourself perfumes. <laughs> I bought my do it yourself perfume kit from choose yourself perfumes. If you go to choose yourself perfumes.shopify.com, boom, you can buy it. That's where I bought it. You could get a, you could get someone with, here's my, the pricing. I bet you, you can get someone for $600 who has 20 million followers on TikTok 
to use a perfume that they make from the do-it-yourself perfume kit that they bought at your very own site. We know that's a trending. Um, uh, How do you contact them? There are agencies mm -hmm. that, if you search for how do I get in touch with TikTok influencers, there are agencies that will connect you with TikTok influencers. So they'll say, oh, it costs $1,000. And you'll say, ah, oh, I'd like to pay 800. Mm -hmm. They'll say, no problem. They'll offer 800 and they'll keep 200 for themselves. Mm -hmm. And you'll say, I wanna do it with 20 influencers. So wow. I'll spend 16, you know, first I'll test it out, do it with two or three. Right. Do I get more than $800 worth of profit out of that? And then once I get more than $800 worth of profit, hit the accelerator as fast as I can before Trump makes a decision on whether or not he's gonna ban TikTok and boom, off to the races. Which is China, basically. Yeah, Just so TikTok is probably gonna, or who knows, may or may not get uh, uh, yeah. banned. And um, so that's, that's basically right. making business, everybody should be doing this right now. You should be looking for what trending products there are. You should validate the idea. You should figure out how to source all the materials. You should figure out how to do drop shipping with a company like Shipmunk. Mm -hmm. And then create content. Create YouTube videos, hire influencers, create blog posts. Oh, like for instance, you know, you know what's been uh, trending? A huge, a huge trending thing is, you know, we're all trying to be healthier and we're all trying to be safer and we all want to avoid coronavirus. So intermittent fasting has been trending because mm -hmm. uh, uh, a lot of the medicines that they're testing that seem to be related to antiviral, anti-coronavirus, yeah seem to be also uh, the sorts of things that prevent diabetes. So if you do, there's a lot of evidence in mice that if you do intermittent fasting on mice, they don't get diabetes. They avoid really? diet versus a control group. So create, if you want, here's another business idea. Create content about, you know, do blog posts, do YouTube videos, do TikTok videos, create content about intermittent fasting, write a book. Do the technique that I described before. Go to SSRN.com or JSTOR.com. Find 10 scientific papers about the research, the benefits, whatever, of intermittent fasting, the types of intermittent fasting. There's many types of intermittent fasting. So what intermittent fasting means is you don't eat three meals a day, seven days a week. So the idea is, is that our ancestors back in caveman days, they didn't wake up and say, oh, I'd love to have pancakes for breakfast and a turkey sandwich for lunch and steak for dinner. They didn't say that. They could only eat when they caught food. So some days they would fast because they didn't have any food and some days they would eat a big dinner and some days they would eat a big breakfast. Um, and it was usually, the breakfast was fruits and vegetables because there was no, they didn't really know how to make bread. There was no wheat until about 10,000 BC. We weren't like yeah. harvesting wheat. so. Intermittent fasting, and there's very different, there's several different kinds. There's you only eat at night, there's you only eat in the morning, there's every other day you intermittent fast, there's something called the 5-2 model where you eat a regular meal one day and then the next day you only eat 500 calories and then the next two days you eat regular meals and then the next day you eat only 500 calories. So two days of the week you eat 500 calories, the other days you eat normal. So, or, so here's, so there's all this content you can create. And then here's a business idea. I'm just, we're just riffing, right? So it might be a bad idea. Get, a, get a, an app for the Fitbit. Does the Fitbit have apps? I yeah. don't even know. You can put, you can install an app on the Fitbit or well, at least on the Apple app. Watch. I mean, I think it, you can put an app on your phone. All right, so put an app. to it. All right, let's put yeah. an app on the phone. And so the phone, let's, let's rotate through all the different types of intermittent fasting diets but randomly, mm -hmm. so you don't know, because again, cavemen didn't really know. So to best simulate or emulate what our ancestors did, mm -hmm. you have to spontaneously do different types of intermittent fasting. And so your, your, your phone app or your you know, Apple Watch could tell mm -hmm. you, this is the type of intermittent fast we're gonna do today. Here, so now you should eat you know, these vegetables, eat broccoli and spinach for <laughs> breakfast, and then at night, you're yeah. just gonna eat grilled chicken, and that's it. Right. And then the next day- Wouldn't it be great though if it could cook it for you too? Well, well, okay. What about if it's tied to a meal delivery service? So yeah. every week, it sends out a message to an intermittent fasting 
meal prepping service that creates that gives that then sends over the meals for the for the week and tells you when to each eat meal so there's all sorts of business models but if you google trends intermittent fasting it's a trend that has gone up over the past year and it's a it's various things relating to intermittent fasting have certainly gone up in the past 20 years our bed almost does that our new mattress. Yeah, because it moderates hot, cold. Yeah. So it's it's, it's cool. the eight mattress sponsored by this Instagram live sponsored by eight mattresses. No, it's, it's not, not. But I wish <laughs> it was. We're trying to contact eight mattresses because we love their mattress. Yeah. But um, so so again, the Great Reset is all about being creative on what are good business ideas, being creative on how to execute them, mm-hmm. being creative on how to grow them and how to eventually make more profits and make more deals. Uh, and we'll go over constantly, nonstop business yeah, models. Because or- it's all timing with all of that, you know, with your lawyers, your CPA. I mean, when you have a viable, you know, business uh, and you're starting to make money, you do want to bring these people in because then they will save you money. Yeah. So I think once you have all of these things I'm saying. And you'll have the structure because you really want to have a really strong foundation i think if you have a, a a good idea and you know it's going to work you want to build that foundation so that it can grow that's my thought yeah whereas me i get a letter from the irs every other year because and then i finally call my accountant and he's like uh james i love you but why do you keep doing this he loves me so yeah, he yeah. loves you yeah because he's like oh my he's God. like robin this is great promise me that whatever james makes you just set aside some for taxes, and then we don't have to work out a new deal every year with the IRS. Please, love James, can't stand the way he does this. So don't always listen to me. Get it in a CPA before I say you should. But your challenge is, is in the, in the I'm more, clouds and uh, creating, and you, you don't need to deal with all of that stuff. Yeah, I'm always more interested in um, the ideas. Mm-hmm. Like right now, you know, I, I wrote a long time ago, ideas are the currency of the 21st century, but it wasn't really true. It was partly true, but now in the Great Reset, it is 100% true. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're, you, again, you need two skills. Some are technical, the hard skills. If you don't have that, that's okay. You could have s- soft skills. I didn't describe what soft skills are. Soft skills <laughs> are storytelling skills. They're, they're, how to, how to describe something, how to tell a story, how to do marketing, how to do persuasion, how to do influence, how do you do sales, how do you do negotiation? Mm-hmm. These soft skills are, in, how do you do copywriting? They're so important. They're, they're incredibly important. The ability to take a product, mm-hmm. and look, there's proof on this. So they did an experiment. I've described it before on, on one of these, but uh, they bought a bunch of knives in China and they threw them up on eBay and sold them. You know, eBay's an mm-hmm. auction environment. They sold these knives on eBay. Then they took the knives, same knives, they bought the same knives again, and they put them on eBay, but with a story. Like, mm-hmm. these knives come from, yeah. you know, the palace or blah, blah, yeah. blah, and were probably used for these purposes. And, so true. You know, and they sold, the, the, the knives, I don't know the exact number, they sold for three t- 300% higher price wow. because there's a story. So, so st- I do that too, like in auctions. I won't buy anything unless there's, like, the story. Yeah. Like, who owns it or, you know... I don't, I don't know. I like to you, know you, where it came from. You should be like an auction advisor. You have done the most amazing. I've seen you do, do online. You should do a, a newsletter about online auctions because every now and then you see the right story at the right time and it's right. not being bid on and you bid and win sometimes. Right. And it's just incredible the value you get in these online auctions. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, 
I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring, so you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. By the way, have you been following, have you guys been following Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend? Uh, I hate to get into total conspiracy theory stuff, but I've just been fascinated by the latest I've been. I haven't heard. So I don't even know what's going on with her. That's the thing. She, oh, has, you're asking, okay. she has no mugshot, right? We don't, right. She's, we don't know if she's in jail or not. Like she's not in the news. Jeffrey Epstein was in the news every yeah, day yeah. until he was but killed did, or committed suicide. Her, isn't her father in, in the news business or the. Her father her? was in the news business until he went broke and then he killed himself in yeah. the, I think like in 1991. But here's an interesting thing, and I I haven't seen this in any newspaper, but I only kind of dug this by going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. But Jeffrey Epstein, when he was 21 years old, Mm -hmm. used to work at, he was a teacher at at the most prestigious high school in New York City, the Dalton School. And I think he was a college dropout, I'm not sure. But he he was totally unqualified to teach at the Dalton School. He had soft skills. Maybe, yes, he definitely had had soft skills, that's for sure. Uh, uh, But so he he was a a teacher at the the most prestigious school in New York's private school in New York City, Dalton. Dalton, by the way, here's here's an odd thing. Dalton, for many years, for decades, had the best high school chess team in the country. Like, like kids would go to Dalton and they would become like US chess champions later. Yeah, but then the chess instructor he was implicated in child molestation. He was like a pedophile oh and he was fired. God. So I, didn't even, I don't even know if that's related. That? 20 years ago. Oh, so, so, but anyway, the person who I think, so, so the headmaster of Dalton was named Donald Barr. And uh, Donald Barr oh. was the father of the current attorney general, William Barr. So that's a weird connection, right? So the yeah. person who, the headmaster of Dalton, who probably hired Jeffrey Epstein, mm-hmm. was the father of the attorney general. So unless 
there's like only four people on the planet. That's like a weird coincidence, right? Right. And so both Donald Barr and the current Attorney General William Barr were both in the CIA. Mm -hmm. So Donald Barr was one of the first people in the CIA, uh, probably along with other people you personally know. So Donald Barr was uh, one of the first members of the CIA right after World War II. William Barr was in the CIA in the 70s when the CIA took a much more aggressive right. stance on overthrowing countries. And I think mm -hmm. his sister might be in the CIA, but I don't know for sure. But here's another weird thing about Donald Barr. If you go on Amazon and you search for Donald Barr and the science fiction novel Space Relations, oh. Donald Barr wrote this weird science fiction novel called Space Relations. Look it up. And so That's I so creepy. I cut out. You guys have to look this up because it's. Oh. So I cut I cut out I cut out a quote and sent it to a friend of mine who mm. specializes in, um, uh, in conspiracy theories. Victoria probably knows who he is. Uh, so anyway, oh yeah. So so the book was called Space Relations, and it's by Donald Barr, and he wrote it while he was the headmaster of Dalton, while he was hiring Jeffrey Epstein. Here's a quote. So it's about this guy, uh, Craig, who goes around to different space. He's in prison in on these different space, I don't know, solar systems. So here's a quote. Um, the pirates awaken Craig and the other prisoners to rape a 15-year-old virgin, vir virginal redheaded female captive in front of them. The rapist fellow pirates later hear of this and dock his pay as punishment for spoiling her market value. Craig then spent two years as a slave of the beautiful, sensual, and sadistic Lady Morgan Sidney, the only female member of the oligarchy with whom he became romantically involved. Together they lived in her castle, ruling over and engaging in sexual relations with, under, with those under their dominion, including an enslaved teenager at a clinic used to breed enslaved people. So that's a direct quote from Attorney General Bill Barr's father, Donald Barr, who hired Jeffrey Epstein to work at the most prestigious high school in, in New York City. Meanwhile, Donald Barr and Bill Barr, also ex-CIA, Jeffrey Epstein accused of being either CIA or Mossad, and that's a quote from his novel, Space Relations. So again, I ask, how coincidental is that, that he wrote basically a science fiction, yeah. the, like the, the father of the current attorney general, who also hired Jeffrey Epstein, wrote this horribly written novel, which includes in one paragraph, two instances of raping a teenager. Right, and described the island that- Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Seen. Essentially described an island. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. Describe so the island and the, and the lifestyle that Epstein had. It's almost like... With Je that woman. It's almost like this is a guidebook for Jeffrey Epstein. Right. <laughs> yeah, with Ghislaine yeah. Maxwell, who's kind of like exactly. this red-headed or, or the whatever. The, the mistress or the... Yeah, and, and also, by the way, it is horribly written, okay? To say, to, to call, to use the phrase 15-year-old virginal red-headed female... Just to use that phrase, this is just a writing tip. Don't, how do you know, how do you know though, it's 15 year old, the person's 15 years old. Like if I see someone in the street, like realistically, good fiction would never say, oh, there's someone in the street that's 13 and a half years old or 15 years old, or there's a six foot three person in the street. Like you don't, your mind does not measure things. Unless you're sick. Well, no, but your mind just in general doesn't right. measure. Like I might say that's a, that person's young enough to be my daughter, or that person, you, your mind measures yeah. relative to other things. Like you don't, you don't even say redheaded. Oh, that person's yeah. hair is the color of the leaves turning in the fall. Right, right. Like you won't even, unless it's like yeah. a bright orange, you won't necessarily say redheaded. Yeah. Uh, you certainly won't say, I never say that person's, like we meet people all the time. I would never say that was a 61 year old person, right. or that was a 47 year old person. Right. You would say, oh, this person's kind of like, um, you know, my friend Dan, well, and obvious. it seems like the same age as my friend Dan. You know, you, you kind of, using, using specific, this is a just separately, using specific measurements in writing is bad writing. But I mean, maybe it was his way, which is not good, to say it was an underage child. Then just say, a, a child. Then just say, I don't know. What seemed like, who knows what was barely going on out of in, puberty. In his 
It, or, or there's lots of ways though, to describe 15 years old. Like, oh, could barely even make a mustache. Well, so young, I've never seen this. I've only seen this person with whiskers, right. even without shaving. Or, right. you know, there's, there's other ways to describe things. Like, I would never look at somebody and say, I ran into the six foot three, six foot three yeah. mailman. I would say, oh, that guy's twice the size of my dad. Right. You know, um, I, right. you, you, specific measurements in writing are just, it's just poor writing. So Donald Barr, who somehow was educated enough to be the headmaster at the most prestigious school in and New he's York. he's writing this is, while he's the headmaster? Yeah. So let's, of, of Dalton. Let's look at another so, writing so lesson. That's another disgusting, you know, look, look, fact that he's actually the headmaster during this period. Yeah. So let's, let's. Get another uh, writing lesson from the great Donald Barr. Craig then spent two years as a slave of the beautiful, central, and statistic Lady Morgan Sidney. There are so many writing lessons here, I cannot even begin to start. First off, how did Craig know he spent two years? Because presumably he was not on Earth, so it wasn't like a rotation of the sun. What does a year mean on this planet? And, and does, he, does Craig have a calendar that he marks every day like if you weren't if you, if they threw you in a prison you wouldn't know when a year took place unless like if, you marked it unless you marked it yeah. yeah and unless and by the way what's a year again he's in outer space so True. he's not looking for the rotation of the sun exactly. that's earth years yeah. and he had to mark it second um the words beautiful sensual and sadistic why was she how could he you can't say someone's sadistic you got to show someone's sadistic mm -hmm. like you know, he spent he, he spent with this woman, and every day she would, um, you know, jump on someone's on a slave's face until the okay. the, the slave was killed. So then you know she's sadistic. Yeah. You don't have to say sadistic; it's part of the story. Why sure. she's sadistic or why she's sensual? What does it mean sensual? I know many pretty women who aren't sensual, and I know many ugly women who are sensual, and vice versa. So what does sensual mean? So anyway. Writing lessons from the great Donald Barr. Okay, but I do want to find out who hired him at the school. Yeah. So if this person, Good. if this person is, is doesn't write well and he's disgusting, how did he get that job? This is why you should you should be in the CIA. Like you're already trying to get the the spy chips out of drones. You're you're. You're, you're, you're so on top of the Jeffrey Epstein case right now. Like, who hired Donald Barr? Like, who's the, there's some mastermind who's moving and, parts around like pawns. And why was the chess, why were the chess players so good? Because back then, it was really, yeah. you know, war against Russia and against, yeah. so, so like how did, maybe it was like this, it yeah. was a place where they were like. How did Donald Barr, Bill Barr, Jeffrey Epstein, Bob Maxwell, who was Ghislaine's Maxwell's father, uh, Leslie Wexeter, who owned uh, The Gap, who was somehow gave Jeffrey Epstein all his money. How are all these people connected? It was connected? a CIA, like some sort of a, you know. CIA, or a lot of people say Mossad. Uh, who knows? Our good friend says Mossad. Um, but... Anyway, let's. We could go on. This is how we talk. I think I'm going to write a blog post. <laughs> I think I'm going to write a blog post. The literary, the creative, the creative writing lessons of Donald Barr. There's so many lessons in just that paragraph. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, stay tuned, everybody. Um, more, more questions. Um, uh, if schools don't open in the fall, if schools don't open in the fall, is this the ideal time to use tech solutions? To, to democratize and transform how we educate our children. So this is a good question. So we're not talking about colleges here. Like LA has already announced that, or Cal Gavin Newsom, the governor of California has already announced that LA and San Francisco will be not opening up their schools. Mm -hmm. So like from kindergarten to 12th grade. So you have to ask first, how are people who, who have jobs gonna go back to their jobs if they have to take care of a four-year-old or five-year-old or eight-year-old? Right. Like, I don't know. So there's going to be some business model there where Gavin Newsom actually is going to have to say, well, kids can't go to school, but we're going to have to send them to this social distancing facility. Maybe if stadiums don't open up or movie right. theaters don't open up, you'll be able right. But then why not just give them lessons? I right. don't know. Exactly. What are people going to do if they have to stay home? Are they going to have to hire babysitters? Like, I wish. I just so, so here's the thing. I get, I, I, I catch myself getting angry when I hear this, because it's like, 
yes, this might be a solution for coronavirus, but we need a solution for men and women who are struggling. Like Gavin Newsom, what? He's like Nancy Pelosi's nephew. He's super rich. He doesn't understand the issues of, you know, people who are, what if there's an 18 year old girl with, or, or a 21 year old girl, father's nowhere, and she's got two or three kids, and they need to go off to kindergarten so she can go to her job. What's she gonna do? I mean, they're gonna have to depend on grandparents. What if she can't? I don't know. She's I gonna mean, have to, they're gonna have to up welfare, or, but California's or, in a huge deficit. Or maybe people, like going local, maybe you can offer something uh, for your neighbors. Yeah, so I think kind I of, I don't know. Maybe there's a business in organizing community groups to right. rotate taking care of kids. Right, like homeschooling type of or, thing. Or, you know, maybe also there's ways to educate uh, these or, parents on how to do, work from home more, do more online things. Or an idea would be these teachers that are not working because schools are closed, they could actually maybe do something like that. And But, and, but a lot of them are elderly, and part of the issue yeah. with the schools is, is that they don't want the kids to give right, the elderly right, teachers right. The virus. Yes. You know how many people in the United States who are under the age of 55 have died from COVID-19? So there's been 133,000 deaths in total, 9,000, so about 4%, 5%, 9,000 or less have died that have been under the age of 55. So this mostly, the fatalities are mostly above the age of 55. Mm -hmm. A fair amount of teachers might be over the age of 55. So I don't know. So I don't know if the younger teachers can do it, and the older teachers probably have social security. You know, so maybe yeah. they could. Survive. Yeah, well, a lot of people are retiring but, early now and right. taking social security early. Yeah. So and they should let them. Like, oh yeah, full they are. benefits and not have to wait until you're sixty-two or something. I don't know. We'll see. I'm talking to Andrew Yang next week, so I'm excited to ask him these sorts of questions about UBI. But but. But I the do. younger ones, though. The younger teachers can maybe offer something. Yeah, the younger ones. Now, and then there's another issue, which is, what's the real reason for school, for elementary school? Uh, I think it's mainly uh, to teach them uh, the social, uh, socially, uh, yeah. how to function in your society. Well, I think maybe even more than that. Not only how to I function mean, to in society. to read and stuff, but it, it I, really is to teach them the rules of society in the country. I, I would go one step further and say to teach them that most people they're going to deal with in life are pretty shitty people. Yeah. <laughs> like, because most kids are just sure. animals. Like, you know, yeah. kid goes to school. What happens? Everybody gets bullied. Everybody's either a bully, like a small percentage are bullies, and then everybody else gets bullied. Or if you if you throw like three kids in a room, it's like two versus <laughs> one. Like they start gossiping about mm -hmm. the other one, and it's just it's not fun being a kid going to school. And you know, they should teach these kids at a younger age, put them all together and tell them why do bullies bully? Let them know that these are people that are insecure. Let them know so that it's more transparent. So when someone is bullying you, you're like, oh, he's insecure. Or maybe the bully's gonna be like, oh, I don't want them to know I'm insecure, so I'm gonna be nice. I don't but, know, I'm just thinking, but like, you, but like teach the you, kids why. I'm but they do, right? Well, I don't know of any, class that teaches uh, kids, well, okay, the reason why you bully is because you're insecure or because of this or that. But, okay, so you've had a kid, uh, so yeah, in the US, yeah, they have anti-bullying efforts for years. Um, well, yes, teach that. to stop it, right? But they're not actually teaching all the kids that could be, the I don't reason know. why they're doing it. But, you know, you've had a daughter who's been bullied. I've had a daughter who's been bullied. Girls are more insidious, I have to say. Mm -hmm. Guys bully by punching you in the face. When I was bullied, I'd go to school, I'd turn up, I'd go to my locker, I would turn away, punch in the face, knock to the ground. <laughs> Girls are more like, Oh yeah. Ch -ch -ch -ch. And they're like that when they're adults too. Yeah, but it's like, I saw my daughter just like, I would literally go to the visit oh, the no. school and I'd see, and I'd yeah. complain to the teacher, there's nothing they can do. Right. People are the, like, the only thing my daughter learned, I think, was that most people are shitty people and you can't trust them. But think about it another way. The other reason for school is, is babysitting because parents have to go to work, which we just discussed. What do you actually learn in school? What do you need to learn in school? Like you need to learn basic math, right? You need to learn how to add and multiply and divide and subtract. And you need and to know maybe basic statistics. Read. Yeah, you said read, right? 
Uh, you need to know read, reading, yeah. But you know what? You're going to learn reading with or without school, to be honest. Right. Like, kids just learn how to read. Some learn faster than others. But, okay, you need to know basic reading. Um, you need to know basic math, and that's it. You never need in life... I have never once needed a Pythagorean theorem in my life. I have never not once needed to know, you know, before I can make a decision, what is the sine of, of... What is the cosine of that triangle? Like, I've never asked that question. What I never needed to know, what's the first derivative of my driving skills. I've never needed to... Right. I mean, we have calculators for that. It, I don't even need to know well, on my calculator. Right, but I mean, still, I mean, it does it all for you. Plus, like, even spelling, you don't really need that much because... Yeah, oh, oh you know, I don't spell anymore at all. Like, Google corrects <laughs> I everything. I write something and then I go through it and do a, that but right click. it oh, doesn't teach you soft skills. Right, okay. So So, right, so learn basic math, which is multiplication, addition, subtraction, and some basic statistics, mm -hmm. which are really basic. Learn basic economics. Yes. That value, the value of anything is a function of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Learn basic reading. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you want to go further, learn basic writing. Mm -hmm. uh, learn... To problem solve. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, learn... If you know basic math, there could be, you can learn critical thinking from problems, from Sudoku, from, uh, you know, word problems, math problems, you know, verbal math problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you need to know persuasion and you need to know how to tell a story. You need to tell why something is urgent. You need to be able to describe why something is useful, why something is, the, what's the proof that this is useful. You need to know how this is uh, very easy to use, a good user interface. And, and also body language. That's the, that's the number one language I think you should learn. Because every be. human, doesn't matter what culture, they always have the same body language. That saved me so many times. What's a big body in language tip? In China. When I didn't know Chinese then, and but I would read the body language of the people that I, you know, that were working for me, and I could figure out what they were saying. Like, what's a good body language technique? Um, well, let's see. I don't know. Like, if you're facing, some, if you're talking to somebody and like their feet are faced away yeah. from you, then they that don't means they want to go. Right, and also there's the um, the um, schmizing versus. Smiling, so, so oh, yeah, yeah. it's it's a fake smile if you're right. making a smile, but your eyes aren't wrinkled up, and it's right. a real smile if your eyes wrinkle up and your face. Right. So you could judge if you learn how to recognize that, you could judge how real or fake someone is. Which I kind of need. I, I've mentioned this before, but I kind of want it on my Zoom yeah. uh, that that the other person is doing a fake smile versus a, what's the percentage times this person is doing a fake smile versus a real smile. Mm -hmm. I think that's a useful Zoom feature. If someone can make that, please send it over. I'd love to use it. Right. So, and uh, plus, like if someone's talking and they're like, yeah, I have five, I have five things, but they only hold up two fingers. Yeah. Your, your body doesn't lie. It's the brain that, that is. So, so, so like that, that's the kind of stuff that you look for. So this guy, um, R.P. Eddy, who's a former, um, I think he was in the Defense Intelligence Agency. I once, he's written a book. He's been on my podcast. But by coincidence, I met him because we were sitting next to each other on a plane he was drinking like drink after drink. He was like trashed halfway through. We were going from LA to New York. He was trashed. So I started asking him. He said he used to be um, uh, an interrogator of spies against the US. And I said, well, tell me a good interrogation technique. And he said, put them on a chair that rolls around really easily, okay? And then ask them real easy questions. So see if they're rolling around during easy questions. If they're not rolling around, like give them, you wanna give them as many choices for movement as possible while you ask them the easy questions. Then you start asking them more difficult questions and you'll see they actually start moving around more with the chair mm -hmm. and, but their behavior changes. Yeah. And so that was a good, he said, that's how you could tell they're lying. Yeah. And so that, that, I thought that was a good body language. That is great. I'm going to put the kids on the, this, this chair. Yeah. <laughs> Interrogate them. <laughs> I find that, I find that though, a lot of body language techniques are people don't know because they don't, they, they watch TV too much and TV, like the characters, the actors broadcast their body language. In, in not accurate ways. So it's a little too easy. You think you're determining that something, oh, this person's obviously lying, but not really, it's not accurate. So TV, TV, the, the TV writers don't really know body language techniques. Right, well, it's hard because- And so people uh, think they're learning your it. Your body language, though, is inherent. So it's something that you can't change unless you're, but if you, if you try to change it, it's really difficult because it doesn't really match up with with the brain, if you're lying, it's really hard to, 
to synchronize those oh, with your line. Yeah, like, oh, here's a great one. If, if I, let's say I'm dating somebody, not you, 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 you would never lie to me. Let's no. say I'm dating somebody and prior, obviously, and I said, and, and, and she went out on a night on the town mm-hmm. with her friends or whatever. She was, she was out. Mm-hmm. She was gone. And I said, and then the next day I say, oh, what did you do last night? Uh, oh, no, I said, let's say I said, where'd you go last night? And she says, oh, I was out with my friends. Mm-hmm. She didn't answer the question. Mm. So usually when someone doesn't answer a very simple question, right. usually means they're lying. Yeah. Like if you ask your boss, am I going to get a promotion this year? And he says something like, I hope everybody gets a promotion this year. Right. Probably means you're not going to get a promotion this year. Right. So, so if they don't answer questions directly, then that's usually a lie. There's lots of these great mm. are you lying techniques, which mm-hmm. I think work. In, in poker, you learn a lot too that, you know, in poker, people are representing certain, a good hand or a bad hand. And if their behavior changes during the time, they're either faking it so you think that they have a bad hand, or if they're a bad poker player, they actually have a bad hand. Right. When previously they were representing a good hand, if suddenly their behavior changes, you could bet against them and they're almost certainly gonna fold. Which is sometimes when, when, when you're just learning something and you don't really know and you're trying to you know, play that, that trick, you sometimes win because people can't read you. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Because you're very erratic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, and it's kind of like almost like beginner's beginner's yeah, yeah. mind. Right. Uh, you always want to have, even when you have skills, you always want to get back to beginner's mind and the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, in 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 stand up comedy, there's a lot of techniques for determining, you know, who in the crowd doesn't like you. You know, they're they're sitting in certain ways. They're fake. They're they're laughing in certain ways, or they're doing other things. Having their hands crossed. Yeah, having their hands crossed is a big one. Um, and I hate them. Uh, that's another factor for them. Uh, that's another question. Um, okay. Do I have a step-by-step guide for making newsletters? So I think a really great business model in so many different ways is to, um, if they're not laughing that as Victoria says, that's usually a good sign. Very good sign. But sometimes people don't laugh. They laugh on the, like I tend to laugh on the inside when I think someone's funny. I don't, I very rarely laugh yeah. out loud, but I still want to give positive energy um, to the comedian. Sure. But uh, step, what's a step-by-step guide to building newsletters? I have 31. Yeah, we're gonna cover that tomorrow uh, because I only have 30 seconds left. Online newsletters is by far one of the best ways to make money in the Great Reset. I will do step-by-step how to create an online newsletter tomorrow, including copywriting, newsletters, where you can do a newsletter, how you can do it step-by-step. Catch this later on our IG feed and on the podcast. See you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.